0: Hi everyone. I have got a very special guest today. Her name is Mary Arimer and she is a certified clarity coach. She works with children, young adults, and also their parents. And she does a lot of work around coaching with them one-to-one, also groups, and uh, also does some work with schools and organizations. I know that she's also doing some work with a local charity in Devon. She is an author of a book called Do You Want to Know a Secret? and podcast host for a show called Precarious Parenting. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Rani.
0: You are at the forefront of what we call prevention. Prevention of ill health, uh, also helping people see their their well-being. So what got you started? What got you started with uh, especially working with children?
1: Mm, that's such a good question um I've worked with young people all my life from mid-20s um you know the very in my mid-20s I was a youth worker you know just two evenings a week in a youth club drinking cups of tea and playing pool and just chatting and I loved it I moved into sport and youth development working with young people in rural settings or, you know, a whole variety of things through physical activity. Ended up in a college, 16 to 19 year olds, teaching. Very quickly realized that I wasn't interested in, well, I kind of was interested in them getting their work done, but I was much more interested in why they weren't getting it done. How come they weren't attending? what did they mean they wanted to change program what was going on for them so I very quickly got interested in that and ended up being the pastoral lead for three large colleges um and and I just seem to be really drawn to teenage young girls it's something yeah you know, it's just my sweet, stop, sweet, sweet spot and um um, unfortunately with all the austerity cuts further education was the hardest hit of all the education sectors and I got made redundant and I thought you know what this is something I want to keep going and I so I just became a coach and started that
0: training mm. how long ago was that uh,
1: the first bit of training I did was 2018 so i every year I do more personal training to be to be a better coach and also mm-hmm. for my own development
0: Yeah, I know the feeling, you know. uh, Um, It's not like you just do it once and that's it. And as you work with people, you also look at, you know, how how is this also helping me see something different for myself, for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, I know that my best work is when I'm feeling grounded. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling settled. I've got clear thinking. That's that's when uh, I... I really resonate, and the rapport is there between myself and my clients. So yeah. it makes sense yeah. to keep doing that. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, say for example, um, someone made contact with you, and they saw something. Say they read a book, and they said, "Oh, I wonder. I wonder whether my daughter would benefit from that." And, and so, what's the process then? Um, because I know that some teenagers they might not want to talk about any any challenges.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's um. The first thing I do is have a conversation with a parent. So let's just say it's the mum. And and it usually is, to be fair. And that conversation, it can be as long as they want it to be, really. It's normally around an hour. And I'm really trying to understand their world and the mum's concerns about her child. What's What does she see that's going on? What's her main areas of concern? And then I'm interested in talking to the mum about what does she think her, let's say, daughter needs. And often the mum can be stumped there because she's often thinking about what she's certain her daughter needs Mm. and hasn't really thought, well, what might my daughter say? Mm. So that's quite interesting to explore that with the parent. And then I ask them to go off. I ask the mum to go off and have a thing. There's no pressure talk to her daughter and see whether her daughter wants to come on a call with me and that could be anything that could be half an hour to an hour whatever whatever they want and it's a get to know you session so Mm -hmm. the daughter and I would be on zoom normally and we'll just chat and we'll laugh and I might share photos of my dog and they might you know it's just it's it's a really informal Mm -hmm. time for us to both see whether we want to go forward Absolutely no pressure. And then, and I'm asking the daughter what her wish list, what does she want? What does she think she's looking for? And, um, and invariably, she says yes, and we arrange some kind of a package.
0: People might be intrigued. They might think, well, I know there are like school counsellors. You know, the children are going to school, they have school counsellors and there are also therapists like CBT therapists for children um, if they're struggling uh, with low or anxiety, that kind of thing. So why a coach? You know, what's the difference between what you do and what, say, for example, a counsellor or a therapist would do? How would you answer that, Mary?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's another great question. And, 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 it's, and it's all therapy. But I'd like to think that, well, from my experience from education and from like I've been in a school this morning and there feels with some young people a stigmatism if there's a counsellor attached to the school, it becomes another, it's the school, it's the teacher, it's the counsellor, it's the parent, it's, it's, there's a lot of, um, Professionals who are looking in on that young person. I try and take a step back, make it more informal, keep it much more of a flowing conversation. It's two way. Um, that isn't to say that I'm then putting stuff on them. I'm not, but it's um, we explore things in a in a in a really um, interesting way. We might take this glass but explore it from lots of different angles that they might not have looked at so i don't offer any strategies or coping mechanisms which parents will often ask me for because i genuinely believe that that young person has what they need already they have the answers already and my job which i think is different to um some other forms of professional uh, therapists is i'm i'm wanting them to be in a place where they can quieten their minds enough to see more options Mm -hmm. i think that might be something that goes on my headstone you know it's going to be there's you've always got more options you know and uh, and and sometimes we feel that we don't have any options and that's Mm -hmm. very challenging Mm -hmm. i've got a vision rani i wonder if it's a good time for me to tell you my vision
0: go ahead please do
1: well my vision is you know person by person can help reduce the cams waiting list so children and adolescent mental health service in the uk reduce that cams waiting list because i really believe and i'm making up an arbitrary figure now but i really believe the bottom third don't even need to be on that waiting list Mm -hmm. you know the waiting list is two years long The CAMs therapists are overloaded. And I think that a lot of young people, by having somebody to listen to, having somebody who isn't part of their parental or education formal setting, can just really guide them through those feelings of overwhelm or anxiety or worry that they're currently feeling it's not just me it's not something I can do on my own but there's a whole raft of people who just by giving time and listening and being available we can just help to reduce that number
0: and helping them realize something about what you just said you know we already have the answers uh, within and that you know when we quieten the headspace there are more options And, and if no one is giving you the space no one is even listening to you how on earth are you meant to be knowing that
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. You know, I
1: remember a young girl, she was at college. uh, This is a few years ago. And she said to me, um, she said, I have anxiety. And I said, oh, okay. you know, who who told you that? You know, where did that come from? And she said, oh, the school nurse. She said, I went to see the school nurse and I talked to her and she said, oh, you have anxiety and then sent me away. And it's like, how's that helped her? Because now she's feels that, that she's got a condition. Uh, she's now holding that information and it's become a belief. And it was a really, uh, really nice experience to explore that with her. And maybe she had moments of really high anxious feeling. And maybe she had moments when she didn't.
0: People do use those terms quite a lot nowadays. Anxiety becomes anxiety disorder. Low mood becomes depression. Feeling panic becomes panic disorder. Yeah. And things can get from bad to worse and there is a spectrum, so I'm not dismissing any of that. Mm -hmm. But what if we could help people see beyond the label? And even if someone has a label and someone does fulfill those criteria for clinical depression or anxiety disorder, is it fair enough to just say, oh, you are, this is it. So all you need to do is, this. The cbt or take medication which is another conversation to be had anyway what if people were to say that okay at the moment this is where you are but it's not who you truly are yeah. and what would that do how would they how soon would they recover do you see what i mean I don't, um, yeah absolutely
1: younger people say you know um i really like the fact that your first question is how's your week been what's been good mm. and they tell me what's been good and sometimes they don't even realise what's been good. But as they're looking back over their week, it's like, oh, yeah, that was good. Or, oh, yeah, that I enjoyed mm. that. Or I had a bit of fun there. Mm. And they said often I'm asked to look back at what wasn't good and why wasn't it good. Mm. So it's not that I only go for the positive, but it feels to me a really nice way to start a chat.
0: Yeah, and and I and I also do it, and I, I I know that some sometimes people are taken aback because they have come to a psychiatrist and they are expecting to tell everything that's what's wrong with them, and sometimes and I said, look, when I say what's what's been good, it doesn't mean that it has to be something massive. It could be something very very simple, like oh yes, I took the dog out for a walk and you know I enjoyed it or, or whatever. So pe- people think that good means like big things need to happen to you. Tell me about. What do you see as a common themes in terms of challenges that teenagers face these days?
1: Well, you know, <laughs> the biggest one, I was thinking about this just before we came on, and without a doubt, I think it's friendship issues. There's so much confusion about friendships. You know, a sense of belonging. You know, why don't I fit in? Why do they treat me that way? Why are they so hurtful? You know, am I not good enough? What can I do to be better? That's a huge part of the work that I do. And often when somebody gets referred to me, like through um, the, the charity I work, work I do with Young Devon, I might get a referral from a victim of crime and they usually don't want to talk about that crime. They want to talk about how come I'm not fitting in with, you know, X, Y, Z. So that's really interesting. Definitely... Um, A real sense of um, feeling anxious and worried about the future, a big part, and often a concern for the parent. Often I talk to young people and I talk to the parents about this. It's like there's a six year old I worked with locally. I went to see her face to face and she's terrified, her mum says, of fire alarms. She said, if a fire alarm's going to go off, she's convinced that everybody's going to die and all her toys are going to burn. Oh. And her mum says that um, when she leaves the house, when the little girl leaves the house, she says, Have you turned the oven off? to the mum. Mm. But the mum's also told me that she's really anxious and she's on antidepressants and she really, really feels concerned about the future and what the future holds. So there's a real link there often between the parent and the child and it's all innocent and all done through love. But I often see the concerns of the parent spilling over into, onto the concerns of the child and then the child, um, boys or girls, all sorts of ages, then don't want to talk to their parents because they don't want to upset them because they feel responsible for their parents' well-being. And the parents are trying really hard to look after their child's well-being. Mm, mm. And what I go in and say is, but guys, look after your own well-being because you've got it. You've already got what you need. You know, look after your own well-being. Mm. And we have discussions about that. Now, the little six-year-old, I ended up with a bubble, a bubble machine, like a bubble, um, you know, if you blow yeah, through like, and yeah, all yeah. the bubbles come out. And we ended up, she ended up popping all these bubbles and we were saying that's the silly fire alarm and that's the you know and we don't know that was last week I don't know what's going to happen as a result of that but it just became fun and she could see that all those thoughts that come they Mm -hmm. go just as quickly
0: Hmm. beautiful
1: yeah beautiful
0: what I heard in your thing about the mother and the daughter or the and the child is that The child is constantly soaking up information from the environment, from the grown-ups. And the grown-ups are doing the best, even the child is doing the best, but the child is learning very fast.
1: We all innocently make huge assumptions through the lens that we're seeing our own world. So often young people will feel confusion about that feeling of worry that they're having. So one girl doing her A-levels, I can think of, would get up in the night and check whether her parents were breathing or not, really feeling responsible for her parents being alive. Are they actually going to get through the night alive? That's a serious challenge for that young woman. And what we ended up doing was exploring her confusion about what worry is because she felt it was loving, supportive, protective responsibility she felt that being worried was really really helping her parents
0: how old is she 17 oh
1: wow Mm. and that was really getting in the way of her living her own life of her thriving of her studying because she was tired (laughs) she would wake up in the night and check her her parents and that's not uncommon and she's not done it because she's been told something incorrectly or she she's just innocently really seeing her world Mm. that that's what she has to do Mm. and we explored it we explored it through the confusion of the misunderstanding of of her experience of her world and she could see she didn't have to do it anymore she could let it go
0: Mm. isn't that wonderful absolutely so what has been the Outcomes we are seeing—you have been seeing uh, for young children when they see something different—it
1: becomes easier. Life feels greater ease, uh, less challenge. Um, I talked to a lad today, and he um, in school, and 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 actually, he and his younger daughter, uh, younger sister, who's eight. This lad's eleven. Were assaulted, physically assaulted by their dad. The mum and dad have split up and uh and he felt it was his fault and he felt that his dad didn't like him and so he was to blame and what he'd actually done is stuck up for his eight-year-old sister who had reacted rather badly to being assaulted by the dad and so he'd waded in and by the end of one session he said oh People have told me that I'm not responsible, but I kind of see it differently now. He said, my head doesn't feel as heavy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How lovely is that? My head yeah. doesn't feel as heavy, like carrying this huge weight around.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's only the start, isn't it? Then I guess there's a bit more work to be done for them to see why is their head not feeling heavy anymore? What's the secret? Yeah. yeah and you
1: know we're all humans so they might forget that in another week and they're there or they're there you know it's it's that roller coaster yeah. um but for me and often i see with young people is that whole understanding that somebody else's behavior isn't personal to me mm. Mm. you know it's not my fault it's mm. not something i've done and that's a real opportunity to step out of our own way
0: yeah yeah And I experienced
1: that myself in in working in this understanding.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, me too, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the tips you would like to leave for people who are listening to this? Two or three points that you would like people to consider and and reflect on?
1: I think the first one is um, I really believe that everybody on the planet wants to be listened to and wants to be heard. Everybody. That's not to be fixed that's to be heard and it's a and it's actually a skill I think and I would um, I'm you know I'm guessing parents are going to be watching this this recording and listening to this recording there are so many uh, ways to you know some great books Liz Scott's done a brilliant book on deep listening Mavis Khan does wonderful ch- um, YouTube free videos on deep listening but Be available and listen to your your child without that parental fixer coming in, because it's ingrained. You know, it's not wrong. It's very natural to think I want to solve my child's problem, but nobody really wants to be fixed until they're ready and they're asking for solutions. So that's my number one big tip. Uh, Another thing that often I hear is, there's no point going to the school or they haven't told the school something. Now, coming from education, I'd say tell the school because how can these professionals know if they don't know? So if something's happened or something you think you need to share with the appropriate people at school, then do it. Now, some people haven't had a great experience of school and schools are up against it at times. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not apologising for... For schools who lack that support but I do think parents should share information I think it's really helpful. And the third thing is is get my book. It takes 10 minutes to read and it's very it's short. I call it a toilet book because you can do it in one sitting (laughs) and uh, what what parents have said is it's a really nice way to start a conversation about mental health when they don't know how to have that conversation it's a really nice way or just to leave it with the young person so i would really i would i would recommend and it doesn't have to be that there are lots of other ways they can do that but use the resources that are out there but keep loving you know number four (laughs) should really be number one two three and four is just keep loving your children and then love them some more even when they even when they do things and behave in ways that you find tough, because their behaviour isn't them.
0: Mm.
1: The way they're acting out right now isn't the truth of who they are, and 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 the and and the parents who are listening, they know that. Mm. They know yeah. that deeply. So keep loving and loving some more. Mm. Um, you mentioned my podcast um, series, and I would say that. Uh, Dickin Bettinger, Mavis Kahn and Jack Pranksy, there are three videos particularly, sorry, podcasts that I would really draw parents to because they're beautiful, beautiful message about parenting.
0: Oh, that's, that's yeah. so beautiful. You know, yeah. I love this. Going back to your fourth point when you said keep loving, oh. I guess part of the challenge for parents is that if we don't uh, give any love to ourselves and we are not kind oh. to ourselves... Mm. then it can be a bit tricky to give from an empty cup.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I've got 2 stepsons who are in their mid and late 20s now, and there have been some really challenging moments, really challenging.
0: And we all lived
1: together in the same house. And, um, you know, there were moments that you're really checking in, saying, hold on a minute. But when those, when that red mist or that grey fog or whatever you want to call it falls away, which it always does, Always. You know, that's the principle, like gravity, it always drops away. Then there's the love. It never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. when people say, I've lost my confidence. No, they haven't. They've just lost the feeling of confidence. Mm -hmm. And then there are moments when they feel confident again. It's Mm -hmm. the same. It's the same with us.
0: The most important thing is that there is this message of hope for young people. Young people do not have to suffer. Thank you so much for coming today.
1: Oh, thank you, Rani. That's been wonderful to see you.